0: Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Episode number 18, Simon Head, Chamat Sandu, Fighting talk from the UK, distinctly British flavour. You know the drill. You've been with us a few weeks, hopefully. If you're new, by the way, thank you very much. Let us know how you found the show, and uh, you can tweet us at the Brit Pack MMA. Let us know how you found the show. Um, we talk MMA here. We talk MMA. We talk the big stories in MMA, and boy, have we got some big stories to talk about. On this week's show, Conor McGregor has been stripped of his UFC featherweight title or he's relinquished his UFC featherweight title. We will discuss that on this week's show. There are various knock-on issues from this. Uh, Jose Aldo is now the undisputed, we'll put that in quote marks, uh, UFC featherweight champion. And Max Holloway and Anthony Showtime-Pettis will now compete for the interim UFC featherweight title. That... All happened. All of this is the fault of Daniel Cormier. We have to call out DC on this. If Daniel Cormier hadn't have pulled his groin, none of this need have happened. But there we go. The light heavyweight champion goes and injures his groin, and uh, it's like the uh, was it the butterfly effect? You know, a butterfly on one side of the globe can flap his wings, and uh, it can cause an earthquake on the other side of the planet. Daniel Cormier pulls his groin and the featherweight division completely goes into chaos. It's bizarre. We will talk about all of that on this week's show. We'll also look back at UFC Fight Night in Melbourne, Australia, where the Reaper, Robert Whittaker, uh, produced the goods in one of the craziest rounds of action we've seen in MMA in 2016, beating uh, Derek Brunson. We'll also talk about the upcoming tough finale and the next challenge facing Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. And of course, we will answer your questions on this week's show. As I said, my name is Simon Head, and on the other end of the scout line is my good buddy, Mr. Chamatkar Sandu. Sandu, I was worried about three, four days ago how much material we'd have for this show. We've got no worries this week.
1: None whatsoever. Um, Leave it to Conor McGregor, and the featherweight division of the UFC, to give us a hot-button topic to discuss and debate and dissect uh, and it's perfect timing because we're finally back to our old setting, you know. After a few weeks of being on the road together, which has been quite fun, we were in New York for UFC 205. Then we were in Belfast uh, for that fight night card, and uh, we were able to kind of give uh, give the fans and give uh, give our audience a little bit of a different um, take and a different show. Uh, but we're back now. We're back home. Um, that's us done for for being on the road for 2016. So this is going to be our usual format moving forwards. But we do have a few special surprises planned uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll tease that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but look out look out for some you know, exciting announcements um, from the show uh, moving forwards. Um, but I guess, you know, let's not waste any more time, Sai. We've got a, a big show today. It's, um, I think, for both you and me. Uh, This news story has 100% divided opinion. Uh, Of course, we're talking about Conor McGregor being stripped of the UFC featherweight championship. I guess maybe just to throw it to you first, do you want to just let our listeners and viewers just go through um, the facts as we know them, the timeline, what happened over the course of this past weekend, where we currently stand uh, and then I guess um, we can just go into the minutiae uh, and the nitty gritty um, of the fallout from this breaking hot story news.
0: Absolutely. it's As as I mentioned in the intro there, it all stemmed from Daniel Cormier, which is kind of bizarre. Um, that the, the light heavyweight champion of the world in any way has any kind of effects on the featherweight division. But that bizarrely is what's happened. So obviously we know what happened at UFC 205. Conor McGregor made UFC history, the first man. To hold two uh, world titles in different weight classes at the same time. Never been done before. Uh, We've had two weight world champions before. Never held the belts at the same time. Conor McGregor is the first. That means he's in the record books for the rest of eternity in terms of the ultimate fighting championship. You can only ever be the first once. So uh, people can match it but they can never beat him to be in the first guy. So he's in He's in the history books. Featherweight champion, which he won back in December last year. He knocked out Jose Aldo at UFC 194, 13 seconds. That was unlucky for, for Jose. Then in, uh, in November this year, Madison Square Garden, uh, one and a half rounds, eight minutes, five knockdowns, two World Championship belts for Conor McGregor. Amazing performance. We were both there to see it. Uh, very, very special night. Everything was looking good. Now, going into that weekend, there was talk about is he going to be asked or forced to let go of one of his belts? And there was never really a definitive sort of um, plan for what was going to happen. Dana said it was going to happen and that he was going to have to let go of one of the belts. Connor never actually said he was ever actually going to let go of one of the belts. At one point, uh, the quote, I believe he said, was it's going to take a fucking army to get one of these belts off me. Well, that army took all of two weeks because he now only has one belt. So basically what's happened, and I'll I'll give it to you in some sort of uh, order. First thing, uh, earlier this weekend, uh, we found out that Daniel Cormier, the UFC light heavyweight champion, uh, was out of the main event of UFC 206 on December the 10th in Toronto, Canada. Uh, A torn adductor muscle in his groin uh, has ruled him out. Uh, he put it out on Twitter, he apologised to uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson, who was very gracious in accepting that apology. All very respectful, everything's fine. The big problem then is this incredibly uh, injury hit and ever-changing fight card for Canada now doesn't have a main event. Um, it also doesn't have a world championship fight. So the UFC have got a problem at this point. Um, so what what then happened was uh, an interesting uh, chain of events starting with Conor McGregor. It was announced during the uh, the UFC uh, fight night event in Melbourne, Australia. John Anik and Dan Hardy, camera cut to them at Octagon's side. John Anik officially confirmed that Conor McGregor had, quotes relinquished his UFC featherweight championship belt. Uh, they also then went on to confirm that the new main event of UFC 206 would be what was the co-main event, Max Holloway versus Anthony Showtime Pettis. And that that fight had also been promoted, not just to the main event, but to an interim uh, featherweight title fight. Interim, because the previous interim championship holder, hope you're all taking notes, you will be tested in a minute. Um, Jose Aldo has now been promoted to the full champion once again. And again, I'll use quotation marks. He is now the undisputed, or perhaps we should say hotly disputed, ufc featherweight champion of the world um so that's where we are conor mcgregor is no longer a featherweight world champion he of course is the lightweight world champion uh jose aldo is now the featherweight champion of the world max holloway anthony pettis will fight for the interim belt the winner of that will then fight jose aldo in 2017 probably first quarter of 2017 um that's what we have sandu as it stands it's a it's a remarkable chain of events um and it has absolutely lit up uh, social media with fans, journalists, pundits, fighters. Everyone's been everyone's been putting their, uh, their, their their two cents worth in, and it seems like everybody seems to have a slightly different view on things. Um, now we could just launch into this and just talk about the thing as a whole, but there's so many different minutiae and strands to this. Let's talk about the number one thing first. Let's talk about the undisputed featherweight championship of the world. And let's talk about Conor McGregor. Your opinion, the UFC either stripped him or they made him relinquish it. Either or, it's basically the same thing. He doesn't have the belt anymore. Were they right or not? Should he still have that belt or shouldn't he?
1: It depends on timing, Simon. It all depends on timing. Had the UFC, in the days after 205, Sat down with Conor McGregor and said, "Hey, look, you know, you've said that you're not going to be um, fighting for a while. Uh, your girlfriend's pregnant. You're going to take some time out. We're we're approaching uh, almost a year since the, the featherweight championship was last uh, the official featherweight championship was last contested for, which was obviously UFC 194 last December. We need to do something. The featherweight division needs to move forward. Are you going to fight at featherweight next? Is that what you want?" Uh, and are you able to fight it within the next six months? Now, if his answer at that point had been no, then I think the UFC would have been well within their rights at that moment in time to say, right, okay, we understand where you are with that. You're going to keep the 155 championship because you've just you've just won it, right? So we've got some time to kind of you know um, you know get your next um, you know fight lined up in the lightweight division but we've got to take the belt off you. And at that point, they could have maybe done a press conference or or a conference call, something similar to what Dana White and uh, George St-Pierre did when um, he kind of went into semi-retirement with the welterweight championship. Again, had they done that in just uh, 24 to 48 hours following UFC 205, no problem with that whatsoever. It's the timing of this and the circumstances of how – They've taken the championship away from him. That leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. And I think we, before we kind of uh, again go into more detail in the various um, segments of this story, we spoke about it a little bit off air, Simon. And, and I think it's you know good to kind of air, air this on the show. There is no right or wrong answer with regards to how anyone feels about this. It's really open to interpretation. Um, we, you know, we know everybody in, the, in our MMA bubble is, is very passionate, especially the hardcores. You have a point of view. You know, but, but the thing is, it's, it's just how you um, absorb this, how you feel about things. If you can sleep well at night um, with Jose Aldo as the UFC featherweight champion, God bless you, no problem at all but there's a fair portion of the uh, of the community that uh, won't be sleeping well you know with that on their minds now going back to the timing had they done that um, even even a few days ago prior to Daniel Cormier's injury okay fine you've sat down with Conor McGregor then great, no problem at all. The fact that Conor McGregor, even up until now, it's been as of time of this um, show's recording, it's coming up to 48 hours since the news um, was broken during the Melbourne broadcast. He hasn't tweeted. He hasn't given any quick-witted remark or comment. This is serious, you know. He hasn't given any kind of. You know, you know, jibe about you know how um, preposterous this whole situation is. You can tell instantly that this is a serious situation. Um, I'm sure he's upset about it, um, and the fact that a bigger deal wasn't made out of it. I mean, at the end of the day, the title, the UFC championship that is the Mount Everest in this sport. Uh, well, that's the way it should be, and that's the way it's been portrayed for, for many, many years. And for it to be just been stripped away from Conor McGregor and then slapped around the waist of Jose Aldo and been presented as the official UFC featherweight championship, it just doesn't sit well with me. And to, to his credit, Jose Aldo, like McGregor, hasn't really made any comments or remarks about becoming all of a sudden the king of the featherweight division. So So for me, Simon it would have been uh, the right way, the right move for the UFC to do this from their point of view. It's just the timing was a complete blunder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree on the, on, on the timing thing. I think the thing that leaves me a little, and I'm going to, I'm going to probably come across as very contradictory in some of the things I say in this show. So I'll warn you in advance basically if you if i if i sort of take myself completely out of it and and step back as far as i can i think in the long run what happened here was probably for the best now the way that they're they're they're, they're getting to that point is a little bit of is you know it's not ideal but i don't think there's i think i don't think there's a, a perfect way to do it to be honest i think the issue that they have here it strikes me that this whole thing stems you can basically bring it down to two words damage limitation. I think they're trying to protect UFC 206. I don't think they want to cancel UFC 206. They can't get another world title fight for UFC 206. They've lost their world champion at relatively short notice. I mean, what's the date today? 28th of November as we're recording. Um and um yeah, and we've got the uh we've got the situation there with with the uh, no world championship fight coming up and without a world championship fight on a pay-per-view we've got a problem you know because it's going to be hard it's going to be a tough sell for a pay-per-view anyway because uh, the cards changed so much but what you've got now is one with no world championship fight so what they've what they've basically done is they've they've, they've basically like a monkey puzzle they've moved everything around and um, it's it's now working it's now working where they've got a belt on top of the card the people who know what's what know that that belt is worth precisely nothing. It, well, in terms of, in terms of to the fighters. It's worth, potentially, a few bucks on the pay-per-view. Because people who impulse buy pay-per-views will think, OK, who's fighting? Max Holloway v. Anthony Pettis. Is that a title fight? It's an interim title fight. Oh, I'll get it then. Um, now, the hardcore fans who watch every event, they know what's going on here. And they'll, you know, they'll buy it based on how they feel. But it's those impulse purchases that doing this might just get those extra, extra few bucks in. So I think that's what it all stems down to. In terms of McGregor having to give up or relinquish his belt, in isolation, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I, also don't, I also would argue against most of the arguments for him doing it, which makes no sense. But I'll explain. He hasn't defended his belt for a year. Now, that, from most people, would be a criticism of Connor. He hasn't defended his belt for a year, take the belt off him. I would say he hasn't defended his belt for the year, so it makes sense for him to, to relinquish the belt. Um, but I don't see that as a criticism because he, his career path has taken a detour that should have lasted one fight before he knew where he was going. Instead, it lasted three fights in about 10 months because he was going to fight Dos Anjos, and if you would have fought Dos Anjos, I wrote a piece for The Sun today and I broke it all down and my last thing, my verdict was, and it was a bit of a joke, blame Rafael Dos Anjos because if he hadn't hurt his foot, then none of this would have happened, right? We'd have known in March at UFC 197, uh, who, was it 197, 196, who, you know, you know whether McGregor would have been the, the lightweight world champion or not. If he hadn't, then if he'd have been beaten badly by Dos Anjos, maybe he'd have gone back to 145. And he'd have had a defence or two by now. But because De just got injured and he fought Diaz in a non-title fight and lost, he then had a problem. Does he go down again? And then he gets slammed for sort of walking away with his tail between his legs, going back down to featherweight. Or does he go again and try and get it back? His professional pride put him in there again. He did it again and he won. Which then set him up for the title fight he wanted in the first place. Which he won. So his mission... Took a little bit of a detour. Took a bit of a scenic route. But he got where he wanted to go. He got the lightweight belt. And the important thing now is that the reset button needs to be hit on both the lightweight division and the featherweight division. Lightweight division has been fine. But now Connor's in at the top. It shouldn't change. He should have to now defend his belt against the best lightweights in the world because that's what champions do. Um, and in terms of featherweight, if he's going to stay at lightweight, then he needs to let that featherweight belt go. Um, it, the the way it's come about has been very messy. It's not been great. It's it's not a great look for the UFC. It's it's a shame on Conor McGregor. I think like you know like you said I think for him to be able to to be the man letting letting go of the belt. I think the UFC could have afforded him the opportunity to do that. Maybe they did. We don't know. Maybe they spoke to him and said, "Look, we'd like you to do this." And he said, "No." And then they've just gone and done this. So we don't know. We don't know what what's going on behind the scenes, but I think that 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 would have been a nice way uh, for it to happen for McGregor to say, "Look, I'm at 155. Realistically, I'm not going to fight at 145 again. I'm going to go for 155 and maybe 170. I'm going to relinquish 145. You know, I've beaten the best guy in that division. Best of luck to the rest of you. And then and then just went on his merry way. But um, it's 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 a messy situation. I I am. I'm not pleased for Conor McGregor because obviously, you know, he's had to give up half his titles. But I'm pleased that in probably three to four months time, maybe, maybe six months, everything should be back on the level again. The featherweight championship should have one belt in it. Sorry, sorry the featherweight division should have one belt in it. Uh, the lightweight division hopefully will have one belt in it by the middle of next year. And that's how it should be. You have one belt, an undisputed champion none of this interim rubbish and have an active champion defending his belt. And I think by the middle of next year, hopefully that's what we'll get. But right now it's a mess. It's a mess.
1: Well, you mentioned a couple of things in, in there. And I think the, the first kind of segue I, I want to make now is UFC 206. Because as you mentioned, Cormier got injured. They had to promote Holloway and, and Pettis into that main event. Now, is slapping an interim title um, you know onto that new main event going to bring in a couple of 100,000 buys? probably not uh, i'm sure it'll have some impact is the impact of an extra 10, 15, 20,000 buys, just to say is that going to is that is that justifiable in the long run to introduce an interim title i mean i think if you go back a few steps had the ufc booked 206 properly got the deal done with George St. Pierre in the first place, for example, right? Biz big versus GSP. Bing. That fight was on the table. Biz being b- exactly. You know, if they had just done that in the first place, we wouldn't even be worried about having to throw an interim title in there. The interim title between Holloway and Pettis has been created here just to fix a promotional issue they have with that particular card. And it's unfortunate. Now, having listened to both Pettis and Holloway, it does mean a little bump up in salary for them uh, for this particular fight because it is a title fight. And when you're in a title fight, you do get paid more. So well done to them. By no fault of their own, they're going to get more money for their, uh, which is I'm, I'm really looking forward to that fight anyway. But going back to um, you know, the, the championship, in six months' time, Simon, it depends on who's holding the belt. Right. So let's just try and kind of navigate at the potential routes. Now, if, if in six months time, you've got um, Max Holloway, who's won the interim title. He fights Jose Aldo in a unification bout and Jose Aldo is the featherweight champion. I'm sorry, Mr. Conor McGregor knocked you out just 18 months ago in 13 seconds. And we all saw it happen. You might have that belt around your waist. Bruce Buffer might pronounce you as a reigning, defending, undisputed UFC featherweight champion but we all know that the real champion is Conor McGregor even though he might not be in your division anymore it just puts an asterisk on your name if Max Holloway beats Pettis goes on to beat Aldo in that unification bout Holloway fantastic nine ten fights in a row but I'm sorry Conor McGregor can say I've beaten you son I beat you a couple of years ago you might claim to be the best 145-er, but we know what's really happening here. I'm the best 145-er. The only fighter in in this kind of uh, situation that can go all the way, beat Max Holloway to become the interim featherweight champion, go on to fight Jose Aldo in a unification bout, a fight that he was supposed to have with Jose Aldo a couple of years ago when he was the lightweight champion, is Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis can go all the way to become the the, the the true champion of the 145-pound uh, division, have that belt over his shoulder... The two-weight right champion. Least, as, and then, and also become a two-weight champion as well. I'll put that on his record of absolutely 100%. But actually be able to then say, with that 145 belt over his shoulder, I'm the best 145-pound fighter in the world. And guess what, Conor McGregor? You haven't beaten me. You don't know what it's like to get get in there with me. And then he's got this... Great, great promotional angle to try and build towards a Conor McGregor fight, but he's the only one that's actually got some cachet to be able to go all the way. I per- again, this is all open to interpretation, right? Like we spoke about earlier, I think Jose Aldo and and Max Holloway are in a no-win situation when it comes with regards to the legacy of them fighting in the featherweight division and potentially holding the featherweight championship belt. I think. It's just going to have a dark cloud over them until, at some point, they can eventually fight McGregor again. I actually said, if I'm a Jose Aldo, who again hasn't—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's crazy. He hasn't even tweeted. He's just become the featherweight champion once again. He hasn't—we haven't even heard a peep out of him, right? The best thing he can do now to legitimize himself in the current state of affairs is to say, right, I'm the featherweight champion. I want to—I want that. Um, um, mcgregor rematch i want that mcgregor rematch you might be having this interim title fight between Pettis and and holloway but sod that i'm I'm the champion i'll be happy to wait six months until mcgregor comes back down to 145 or i'll be happy to go to 155 um again it's open to interpretation i understand what you're saying with regards to hitting the reset button the reset button only gets hit truly for me if Pettis can go all the way with the other guys i think it's still um very much uh Questionable in regards to how we, as a community, view the featherweight division and the the true champion of that division as well.
0: This is where you and I start to differ in our opinion So I, let me come back <laughs> with you with a couple of things. Um, I, I completely take everything you say um, because if if Aldo wins a title, yeah, that is what a lot of people are going to say. If Holloway ends up winning the title, yeah, that is what a lot of people are going to say. But Why hasn't Jose Aldo fought Conor McGregor again? Why is that? Because McGregor basically opted for other fights. Jose has been shouting for a rematch for a year. Hasn't got it. Holloway has been shouting for a fight with McGregor for a year. Hasn't got it. When Conor McGregor got beat, rocked, dropped, submitted uh, by Nate Diaz, what did he do? He called for a rematch. And you know what? He got it like that. Straight away. And then he had his opportunity to get it back, which all credit and kudos to him, he got. And the difference here between Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor is Conor McGregor got what he wanted. Jose Aldo did not get what he wanted. So I get what you say, but there is a very, very good reason why people are able to say that. Because he's never, he's never been given that opportunity. Now, if he'd been given the opportunity and turned it down, then more fool him. If he's been given the opportunity uh, and took it and lost, then it's, de- it's-, it's definitively decided. In terms of Max Holloway, Max Holloway has evolved beyond all recognition from the guy for Conor McGregor, who himself has improved uh, immeasurably as well. That's a fight I'd love to see one day. But I think Jose Aldo versus Conor McGregor, I think that only a fool would turn around and say that Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor too would end up going similarly to the first one because I don't I don't think you can do that I don't think I don't think that fight goes you know it goes a fair bit longer than 13 seconds next time round Connor might knock him out again but I could also see Aldo outpointing him as well I think it's a much closer fight than than the first result would suggest but again now we're in the realm of opinion at this point but, but what I'm saying mm-hmm. is and and the number one thing is you look at Jose Aldo's record, he's he's lost one fight in 11 years. He's last 11 years, he's lost one fight. That was in 13 seconds to Conor McGregor at UFC 194. Um, but if Conor McGregor is no longer uh, operating at featherweight, he has no claim on that division whatsoever. If he hasn't, he hasn't fought in that division for a year, if the decision has been made that he doesn't want to fight in that division or he isn't going to fight in that division, then... He has no claim over the division anymore. So Jose Aldo can say, yeah, I am the undisputed champion because of all the guys who are fighting and prepared to cut to 145, I'm the best. And and yeah, I, I, everything you said absolutely is what a lot of people will say. But what I would say to counter that is the only true test, and this is the great thing about fight sports, there's only one way of settling all of this, and that's for the two guys to get in there and fight again. And uh, it doesn't make good business sense for Conor McGregor to do that at this point. If Aldo goes and wins the featherweight championship, uh, Aldo could potentially end up becoming a, a possibility at 155. But I think once McGregor is no longer a factor at 145, then the argument of what, what happened in the past is purely that. It's, it's historical. Doesn't doesn't really affect what's happening right now.
1: And, and that's kind of the issue where 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 we're at at the moment, Simon, is because of the way the UFC handled this entire situation. Correct. Because they never sat down with Conor McGregor. Because we never got an official statement for Conor McGregor to say, "Hey, you know what? Um, the, the cut is too much for me. I'm going to focus my efforts on 155 pounds." Uh, it was it was. I had a good run at 145, but I'm, I'm getting up there in age. The cut's is too much for me. Because that because we haven't heard from him, right? We don't know. If he was ever intending to go back to 145 pounds, we say he wants the money. Exactly, and they've they've lost the power to kind of you know um, have some sort of official statement to kind of still give credence to that 145 pound championship because of the, of the way they handled things. Yep. Now, had Conor McGregor and the UFC again sat down together, figured, figured hashed it out, he wants equity, whatever the situation is, uh, and a part of the deal was to relinquish the 145 pound championship and do a press conference. No problem at all. Then obviously you can, you know, like you said, reset the button, move forward, and then and things are all hunky dory with the, with that weight class. But it's just the way they handle things. And, and again, going back to the whole idea of oh, well, McGregor hasn't fought uh, in 145 pounds in a year. He hasn't defended his championship belt. Well, you answered the question for me earlier on site is because it was meant to be a very short detour to 155 pounds against Rafael de Samuels and this detour with the Diaz brothers, uh, D, and, and the Nate Diaz fight. Caused everything to be, you know, elongated. Yeah. And the what? Why is that? Because um, it broke pay per view records. It was the biggest, you know, money fight the UFC could put together. And yeah, if McGregor wanted a rematch with Nate Diaz, you'd think that uh, Lorenzo Fittier and Dana White at that particular moment in time, who were still running things at the UFC, were going to say no to that when they saw the pay per view numbers. Um, you know, being being, I don't think so. Right. So now, going back to to Jose Aldo and and these featherweights. You know, it's, 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 they're in a tough spot now, you know, um, they're in a very, very tough spot because they might be, uh, Jose Aldo right now might be, you know, um, paraded around by the UFC, you know, marketing and advertising and promotional department as the 145 pound champion. How do you think he feels? Do you think he sleeps well at night? You know, I think um, he's reading on his Twitter timeline and, you know, you think, you know, his friends and family and colleagues and, and teammates at Novi now are saying, yeah, he's the best 145-pound fighter in the world. I don't think so. I think he's too much, um, you know, he's too proud to be able to say that to him, to himself, you know, and, and again, it'll be interesting to see when he finally does make a comment how he feels about this entire situation. Um, but, but, but again, I mean, you know, look, Nine times out of ten, 95 times out of 100, promotionally, the UFC tends to get it right. Yeah. Normally, they, they get they get it right on the money. With this situation, in terms of how and the timing, they just done an absolute blunder. I mean, that's the one word that keeps coming to mind, the way they've handled the situation – has just left such a bitter and bad taste in everyone's mouth with regards to how they feel about um, Jose Aldo as the new champion, how they feel about this interim title fight between Holloway and Pettis. You don't need that interim title, um, title in that picture, really and truly. I mean, again, if you just said, listen, you know what? Um, these two are fighting for the number one um, contender contendership to fight Aldo next. That would have been enough. And again, I, I get it. What you said earlier on, Sai, about putting, a, you know, they, they seem to be obsessed by having a, a title fight, whether it's interim or you know, real or not, uh, in these pay-per-view cards. Um, but but I think the word interim and these interim tiles are being more devalued as time goes on because they're being they literally are being created out of thin air just to fit the circumstance and to fit the scenario which suits the UFC well. Really and truly, what, when an interim title should be brought into the equation is how it was brought into the uh, the equation for the, the UFC men's bantamweight division a few years oh, ago. When, when Dominic Cruz was the 135-pound champion and he was injured and he couldn't come back and defend his championship belt for more than a year. And in fact, I think they gave him way longer than a year to try and come back anyway. During that time period, Henan Burrell was the interim champion and he was defending that interim title too. And at one point in time, when Dominic Cruz was was re-injured and he knew that he was going to be out for yet another year they thought right enough's enough we now have to make the interim title um the official legit bantamweight championship because enough time had moved on and brow was a defending champion and no one had a, no one had a real problem with that right everyone thought right okay right now as things stand, pen and is the best 135 pound fighter in the world and when cruz comes back's uh, Cruz comes back, we, he, he'll get a shot at the championship, and in fact, he earned his way back to the title shot anyway um, by having a, a fight with, the, was it Mizugaki, Mizum- Mizugaki I think yeah, it yeah, was?
0: It's okay, Mizugaki, yeah, Sakai Mizugaki,
1: yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's ways w- and there's scenarios where the interim title makes complete and perfect sense, and I see people um, bring the Daniel Cormier um, championship um, situation uh, into this equation, or the GSP uh, welterweight championship uh, into, into the equation. Let's just talk about that for a second. When um gave up the t- title to go into semi-retirement, that was a completely different situation. He had been champion for such a long, long time. He would wiped out that division two or three times over, and for him, it was right enoughs enough. I'm going to go into um, re- you know into retirement, or he didn't really use that word, but he he moved away, and that gave a chance for a new um, uh, uh, you know a set of fighters to contend for that championship. Then you can start to have the barbershop talk. Oh well, you know, Tyron Woodley is a champion of today how would he how would he have fared against the champion from five years ago gsp that's barbershop tour. daniel cormier was the interim champion became the legit champion because john jones removed himself from competition because he got himself suspended but they the ufc were all in on making that unification fight happen they they, 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 their hands are tied right now they can't make that john jones cormier fight happen so they have to make cormier the legit champion in this situation with the featherweight division they've just cocked it all up, cocked it all up. Um, I mean, there's no other word I can think of. They've just, it's an absolute mess. It's a ridiculous situation. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that I need a break. I need a break, Simon, weigh in, break another segment down for me. <laughs> where, where, where are we headed to next in this debate, in, in this discussion?
0: Yeah. Well, look, let me, let me give you sort of a top line, how I feel about this because it's, it's kind of weird. It's, one minute it will sound like I'm defending McGregor, and the next minute I'm I'm actually railing against him. Let me put my colors colors on the mask right now. I have zero complaints, none whatsoever, with anything that Conor McGregor has done in terms of his career choices and the way he's gone about his business. He has been nothing short of a superstar. He has been an absolute dream for the UFC promotionally in terms of as a, as a someone taking the sport to a new level. Uh, for the likes of uh, you, you and me over here on this side of the pond, it's been brilliant for us. Um, the outlet I work for, the Sun, we can't get enough Conor McGregor. You know, when I'm not writing a, a story about Conor McGregor within the sport, the guys in the office are writing about his new car, or they're writing about his iPhone case, or they're writing about this, or they're writing about that. And and because there's just an there's an insatiable appetite for Conor McGregor. Why? A he's a bigger he's a larger than life personality but but over that he delivers on fight night so and i don't think you know he's been accused he's been accused of ducking opponents i don't agree with that um he's also been criticized for not defending his championship for a year i wouldn't criticize him for that because i think the the, the i think the career choices he's made in the circumstances he's found himself in are actually to be applauded um he could have pulled out of ufc 189 When Jose Aldo got injured. What did he do? He stayed loyal to the UFC. And to the fans that had spent all their money. To come over, buy hotels. uh, And uh, plane tickets. He took on the one style of fighter. That everyone at the time said. He won't want to fight one of those. He's not going to do well against a strong heavy handed wrestler. He took on the strongest, most heavy handed wrestler. In the UFC featherweight division. On two weeks notice. And he stopped him. After getting smashed in the first round. He came back, he stopped him in the second round to win the interim belt. Then, he he tried to get this this fight, well, he then eventually got the fight with Aldo, dusted him in 13 seconds, everyone went nuts. Then, history repeated itself. He was going to go for a world championship, he was going to fight a Brazilian. There was a big media build-up. Then what happened? Exactly the same again. Guy gets injured at very short notice, Rafael dos Anjos, injures his foot. What does he do? Does he pull out and say, I'll bide my time? I'll wait until he's fit? No. All his fans have bought plane tickets. They've bought hotel rooms. The UFC have done a shitload of promotion. There's not much time. What do you do? I'll take on... you know, Well, Nate Diaz is available, but he can't fight you at 155. He wants a bit of a concession. Sod it. Let him fight at 170. I'll take him on. No problem. He He, he has bent over backwards to keep fights alive and keep events alive. And then he got beat so he asked he asked the UFC to do him a solid and let him have the rematch straight away which they gave him no brainer with the money that they made from the first fight he then got the win back got the title fight with Alvarez and when he got in the octagon for a title fight at lightweight he delivered the goods again and won the title I can't complain about anything he's done there there's no fight ducking it's not like he's been sitting on his hands for seven eight months at a time waiting for fights to happen he's been active so, to say, but the one thing you can't say about him is he's an active champion. And that's not a criticism, that's just a fact. He hasn't defended his belt because he's been doing this stuff. So, while it sounds like saying he's not defended his belt is a criticism, from, from my standpoint, it really isn't. It's just a statement of fact. So, because of that, it is entirely understandable that the UFC would want to then free up that championship again to allow the division to continue. That makes total sense to me. I, it all comes back to how they've how they've gone about it and they've gone about it not very well in my opinion and in yours and the ideal would have been for McGregor to have come out obviously the press conference after the fight is far too soon to do it right so I think he wanted you know he wanted a couple of weeks to sit on the belts and have a bit of fun and then maybe do it potentially but it was never explicitly said what he would do so um, I think we're at the point now where if he'd have done that, that that would have been the perfect way to draw a line under one chapter of his career. He moves on to the next one. Everyone's happy. Everyone gets what they want. The sport returns to some semblance of order in terms of how the weight divisions work. And I think that's what we're going to get. It's just the means by which the UFC have gone about it has been a bit messy. Uh, so I've got no issue with McGregor. Um, I've got no issue with Aldo getting the belt back because he's the next best guy. He's the best guy at 145 pounds. Um... And the fact that there's an interim title fight, I think, is totally unnecessary. It's a number one contender fight. It's a title eliminator with a gold belt attached to it. The belt basically means nothing. If the belt wasn't on that fight, it would mean no the fight would be worth no less. Right? So the winner of that fight fights Aldo. We then have a legitimate undisputed champion at featherweight. All of that is great. That's that's my take on it. I I think McGregor. I can't I can't say a bad word about his, his you know, the way he's gone about himself. He's acted, you know, in, in terms of leading up to fights, he's lively, some people can take or leave some of his antics. But watch him in post fight press conferences, that's the real Conor McGregor. And you see him in post fight press conferences, he acts with total class and speaks very honestly, very candidly. They're the press conferences that people everyone gets excited about the pre fight press conferences, it's the post fight ones that really count. Listen to what he says in those press conferences because that's the real Conor McGregor. And he has been pure class from when he, uh, when he beat Chad Mendes, when he lost to Nate Diaz. The reaction when he lost to Nate Diaz told us a lot more about McGregor than we've learned in any of his other fights. And he's gone on since then. He's, everything that he's got so far he's earned. And the fact that he's asking for more I think is legit. I think the situation is shitty. I think it's unfortunate for him that he didn't have, to the best of our knowledge, he hasn't had the opportunity to ceremonially give the belt back. We might we might find out that he was and he turned it down, but we, you know, we'll work on what we know now. If he hasn't had that opportunity, then that's a shame. Because I think he should have, just out of respect, he, I think they should have given him the opportunity to do that. Um, and for it to just be announced as a side note during a live event in Australia seems, I don't know, it's... It, as you said, it leaves a bit of a, sad taste in, a sour taste in the mouth. What I do hope now is that McGregor goes on, becomes the sort of champion that I think he can become at lightweight, takes on some of the incredible talent that's in that lightweight division. Your Tony Ferguson, your Khabib Nurmagomedovs, maybe a rematch with Jose Aldo, who I'm sure is going to fight at one fifty five within the next twelve months anyway. Um, you know, there's 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 a whole clutch of great you know lightweights out there who he can fight. Plus, there's also the possibility of going for three. Um, that might be on on the cards as well. Uh, and someone tweeted me and said, "Does that you know the fact that he's lost the first belt that then means that going for three is no good?" I'm like, "Well, no, that's not actually the case because no one's ever had three. You don't have to have them all at the same time. He can be the first to win in three divisions. So that fight's still very much on. So I think for me, I want to see him fight Khabib. That's the fight I want to see." From a sporting perspective, I want to see his next fight be a lightweight title defence. And if it isn't, I think it'll be Nate Diaz. I want it to be Khabib. Um, But whatever happens, I can't criticise what Conor McGregor's done in the last year, 18 months. Um, Circumstances haven't gone the way that he would have wanted. He's rolled with the punches. uh, He's taken everything. uh, And he hasn't deviated from anything he said. If If he said, I'm going to fight on such and such a date, he fights on that date um and uh he's delivered every single time even when he lost you know he put on a great fight so um absolutely nothing on connor i do think it's better that he doesn't have the featherweight belt however and i think hopefully things because he doesn't need it he's such a big star he doesn't he's like mayweather at this point he could have no title belts he doesn't matter because he's all these fights are that big anyway um so it really makes no difference he'd be like um You know the old million dollar championship in WWE. You know the old McGregor belt. He said before 196, I should just create the, I should just jump up and down divisions and have the McGregor belt. Um, But yeah, I think he's he's gone about it. He's gone about it as well as you could hope for. I think the UFC, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. But I think in five to six months time, hopefully, everything will be on a level. All weight divisions will be operating the way that you would want them to in this sort of in this sort of sport, in meritocracy that we hope to see in the UFC. But uh, we'll cross our fingers and see what happens. And people can interpret things however they like, but that's that's what I want to see.
1: Well, I want to touch on a few uh, points that you made there, Simon. I mean, um, the thing about him and his post-fight interviews and, and his future, I think I want to tie them in together. If we go back to his post-fight interview at UFC 205, it was all about having that conversation with the new owners, which he said... He hadn't had the opportunity to have that conversation or they hadn't approached him, which was mind-boggling to all of us. Yeah, And the fact that they've done this now, they've stripped that championship away from him, um, which seems to have been in a a very kind of um, unceremonious type of way where it didn't really get his blessing uh, for that to have taken place. He's got his girlfriend who's pregnant. He's going to take some time out, he said, um, to, to handle... Uh, family business and given how often he's fought, no one can really blame him there. I think it's going to be fascinating to monitor what happens next because we all know that McGregor wants equity in the UFC. By the UFC stripping him of the featherweight championship, they have made him a sympathetic figure in, in our MMA community. They've empowered him beyond belief. And we're talking about the biggest star in the sport right now. They've just given him some extra power. Right now, McGregor has got so much support given the way the UFC have stripped him from, of, of this championship belt that he can use that when it come, when he finally gets a chance to sit at the negotiation table um, and hashes out the next deal, whatever that deal may consist of in terms of fights, in terms of money, in terms of equity – What have you? We've already spoken at length in terms of what we feel as though this means for the featherweight championship, the featherweight division, how Aldo, Pettis and Holloway can root their way up and, you know, what this means for them. But I think going back to McGregor and the UFC and that particular relationship, that's going to be the key storyline um, in this whole scenario, as we move forward, um, and, and who knows? Maybe this time next week, when we record next week next week's show, Simon, there's a statement from Aldo. There's a statement from McGregor. There's a statement from the UFC. You know, um, he's he's got his website now, themaclife.com, and and if those guys, and I'm and I'm sure they are, if they if they you know know what they're doing here, I'm sure they're having a conversation with McGregor right now, saying, listen. The minute you want to get a statement out, if we can get it on video or whatever the case may be, let's get it out through the site because everyone is just on a knife edge right now, waiting, waiting patiently to find out what McGregor has to say. Like we said, it's been a few days already. Um, He sent out a few tweets not related to this particular story, but we are all just hoping and waiting and can't wait until he actually makes a statement because that will probably be one of the most important statements he's made to date in his uh in his mixed martial arts career and his ufc career as well
0: yeah it really is and you do wonder you know he's had a few little power struggles with the ufc in the past we had the the mock well I say mock retirement you know we had the we had the we had the thanks for the cheese catches later uh around fight week of one nine seven I think it was that all happened. Um and um we had all the chaos of that and it does make you wonder whether this is more more uh sort of posturing from the two sides. He's dealing with different people now of course. You know at the end of the day when he was dealing with the fatitas he was dealing with with individual people who he knew personally. And while he could posture around and, and do things, at the end of the day, the pair, you know him and Dana and Lorenzo could sit around a table um, and, and basically resolve everything, just like men sitting around a table, just just thrashing it out. He's dealing with a huge, huge uh, corporate entity at this point. Um, he's also dealing with arguably the most powerful man in Hollywood as well uh, in, in Ari Emanuel. Uh, and you don't get to a position like that by being uh, a limp, you know, sort of sort of, a, having no backbone at the negotiating table. So you would imagine that when Ari Emanuel decides this is the deal he wants, uh, he will either get that deal or he'll walk away from the table. So um, the question is, how, how do they value Conor McGregor in the bigger picture? And how much are they prepared to bend in order to accommodate what Conor wants? You mentioned the equity thing. I've got to be honest. I can't, for the life of me, see see that happening. I can see him being given options for shares when he retires. I think there's a, com- a huge conflict of interest in an active fighter being a shareholder in the promotion that promotes his fights. Um, so if you're per- you know if you're you're Conor McGregor's next opponent and you're not a shareholder in the company and you're fighting the guy who is you you know you're kind of up against the machine, you know, it is you know it, it it doesn't it's not a good look. But what it is, it's a starting point for negotiating for more money. Uh, mm-hmm. uh I think I think that that's realistically the best the best he can get out of it. Um and uh all power to him. And it was really interesting that MMA Junkie did a did uh one of their video spots where I think you might even have been involved in it where you're going around asking the fighters, what they thought of the McGregor situation. It was like a mashup thing. And, uh, Kevin Lee, who, uh, in Belfast, vocally called out Conor McGregor. Uh, and he's a very outspoken guy and very entertaining to listen to. I'm a big fan of his work. And, uh, but when they asked him, uh, what do you think about McGregor wanting more money? And he's like, absolutely. The guy deserves more money. You should get whatever he can get. Um, because he's the biggest star in the sport. He's earning all the money. So, I think the, you know the fighters know what's what, and um, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens. Was the UFC taking a belt off McGregor the way they did? Just a little dig in the ribs, as if to say, just remember who the just just remember who's in charge here. Just remember who the paymasters are. Remember who's in charge. We can take your title off you, and we just have. Um, now I don't know whether that is what it is. I'd, I'd like to think it isn't, but who knows? If you're in, a, there may be complex negotiations going on behind the scenes that we don't know about and you mentioned about him not having had a conversation with the with the owners and that the belts now gone it's entirely possible that he still hasn't had a conversation with the owners that mm-hmm. would be the most alarming thing of all if they've just taken the belt and there's been no real conversation so right now there's an awful lot of grey area that needs to be sort of filled in and hopefully in the coming weeks we'll get that once uh, once connor's people O'Connor, you know, directly put something out there. I'm sure next time Dana White is put in front of a microphone, he's going to get asked about it. Um, and bit by bit, hopefully, we'll get to learn a little bit more about what, what's going on. The fact that McGregor possibly isn't going to fight until June next year, uh, in some ways, is to his benefit because it allows him negotiating time. He's not up, He's not up against the time frame here. He's basically declared himself... Uh, On the bench until then, I guess there's you know he has the option of fighting early in 2017 if he wants to get one in before uh, you know Dee's pregnancy starts getting a bit towards the end. Um, But realistically, he can just he can just kick back and say, "Here's what I want. I'm not fighting until June anyway. You've got until then to get it all sorted out. Whatever you need to do, you go away sort out what you need. I'm the biggest star in your company. If you want me to fight." back of 2017 you need to come to me with a b c d off your pop come back to me when you've got it all he can do that at this point um and uh it's the first time an athlete in the ufc has had that sort of pulling power uh and it's come at just the time when the new owners have kicked in so the dynamic is different and i'm interested to know how that dynamic will progress because uh in a, it's it's a big difference because with the zufa ownership they were very public insofar as Dana was front and center, and was right in the thick of what was going on. We now know that Dana doesn't make all these all, all the decisions anymore. Uh, Dana's Dana's the front man. Dana, you know, Dana's the sort of the uh, the carnival barker, if you like. But it's you know, there's there's a whole slew of people above him. You know, uh, uh, Patrick Whitesell and uh, Ari Emanuel being the main two. Um, they're the guys pulling the strings now, and we don't hear a thing from them. Uh, and so we're all in the dark and, and then just stuff just happens like the belt being being uh stripped so we've got a lot more to go on this and i don't know quite how it's all going to work out but um i just hope that that uh common sense prevails to some degree uh on both sides of the coin and conor mcgregor ends up being as active from next summer onwards as he has been up to this point, because. As you know, from a journalist's point of view, I just I love covering him. You know, he's a superstar, and you know, when I when I when I retire in sort of 20, 30 years time, I can put my feet up and go, wow. You know, I was covering the sport during that golden era of Conor McGregor, um, and to be able to to sit back and say that would be would be a real would be a real uh, privilege to be able to say. So, you know, we hope that this isn't the beginning of the end for him. Uh, fingers crossed, it won't be, but. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of uncertainty ahead of us, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and just to kind of go back to a few of the the points you raised there, I don't think this was a power play by the UFC to strip him. Um, you, you mentioned common sense prevailing. Common sense didn't prevail here, Simon. No. Um, they were trying to, they were trying to plug a hole. All right, they were trying to plug a hole with UFC 206. That's why they did what they did. If if Daniel Cormier was still champion we would still be talking about... uh, Sorry, if Daniel Cormier wasn't injured, we'd still be talking about McGregor as a 2 weight champion right now as we speak. Um, It's because of that situation. They're trying to plug a hole in what they think will help them boost pay-per-view numbers for UFC 206. And the way they've gone about it is completely wrong. Um, I don't think it's going to add too much to that. I mean, we don't know what the numbers are, uh, but from the outside looking in and by looking at some of the metrics and the pay-per-view numbers that respected members of the media, i.e. Dave Meltzer um, provide, uh, on a pay-per-view event by event basis, I don't think this is going ex- to, the, the interim title is going to exactly bump the needle up too much on what the, the UFC two six pay-per-view numbers are whatsoever. Um, I think, uh, the UFC have, have almost given, uh, away a lot of power, uh, into the hands of the biggest star in the sport right now. And to be honest with you, this is not something that they should be doing. Um, heading into what is going to be an absolutely crucial year for the promotion, we all know that they have got some targets to hit, revenue-wise, and you are not going to hit those targets without Conor McGregor. It's just a simple fact. Depending on how things go with Ronda Rousey, her fight uh, coming up at the end of December at UFC 207 could very well be her last. You know, if she loses, she, I mean, she's already said, you know, that you know she's not here for a long time. She's here for, here for a good time, and she's only here for a couple of more fights. Well, those couple of fights might just be one more fight if Amanda Nunes absolutely demolishes her. So on the one hand, you might be losing Ronda Rousey uh, for the foreseeable future, and now you want to play—you uh, know—you want to play this uh, this power struggle and battle with Conor McGregor. That's not a wise move. Not a wise move. Yes, the, the, yes, the promotion, yes, the UFC will be able to um, live uh, and and last. Without sort of Ronda Rousey, without the likes of Conor McGregor, if they were to call it a, a day right now, the the machine will always move forward. We know that. It's just how well that machine will move forward. How much revenue will it make? And now when they've just in, in a bought the business for you know, over $4 billion, as they head towards um, these new TV broadcast right negotiation deals, um, which is coming up, um next year not just in the u.s but tied in with some of the international markets which includes um, the uk exactly now being able to go to those negotiation tables with the likes of ronda rousey and conor mcgregor and your you know your bigger stars that's huge in regards to how much money you can demand but without them it can definitely have a massive impact on, on how, what kind of deal you can strike so i think we've covered um pretty much every point i think we wanted to i think um the conclusion here is is what we said at the beginning of this conversation side is that there isn't a, a right or wrong answer it is open to interpretation i hope everyone that's listening has been able to take on board what you said and what i've said um make your own mind up tweet us let us know what you think you know, this is going to be an ongoing story. Um, it's, going to, it's going to be hanging over UFC 206 Fight Week in Toronto. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see um, how that particular fight week plays out. Um and again, I, I, just, I just cannot wait until Aldo and McGregor uh, make a statement. Like you said, Simon, as, as sooner or later, Dana White um, is going to get asked about this. Now, he may be asked by the fluff media, which is TMZ uh, and Fox Sports, um, uh, which are basically the UFC's media partners. But listen, any kind of sound bite out of Dana White with regards to the situation is going to be very, very interesting. Um, but like I said, I think McGregor right now, he might be a little sour. He might be a little upset that the fact that he can't parade both titles. Um, he can definitely say he's the people's champion at 145 pounds. He can definitely say he's the legitimate lineal champion at 145 pounds. Um, it's a little bit unfortunate. I mean, I actually think it's it's an it's amazing. How, you know how Holly Holm, when she won the championship of Ronda Rousey, she did this incredible media tour, um, hitting all the main kind of uh, spots in, in the States, the late night TV shows, the daytime TV shows, the Good Morning Americas. I almost think that had had the UFC uh, and Ari Emanuel and, and Patrick Woodsell, had they had a conversation with McGregor prior to 205 or even just after that, had to sit down and say, hey, listen, you're the two weight champion. Let us parade you now. Let us get you, you know, we'll pay you for this crazy media tour. I'm sure McGregor would have lapped it up because that's more exposure for him. I think they could have done more, is, that, is what I'm trying to say. Before they stripped him because of this stupid situation with the UFC 206, they could have done a little bit more promotionally uh, with some advertising and marketing and some of the media opportunities, especially getting out to some outlets that maybe don't cover the sport um, as regularly as uh, the indigenous MMA media. And just to have that moment with McGregor holding both belts, more photo shoots, more um, video interviews and, and more articles and things of that nature. But um, it's done now. You know, there's no point, um, you know, once the, the toothpaste is out of the, uh, out of the, um, <laughs> out of the tube, out out of the tube. You can't put it back in. No. Um, so here we are. Conor McGregor is a, officially now just a, a one-way <laughs> UFC champion. He's got one legitimate championship around his waist or on his shoulder. And, uh, and yeah, we'll we'll see how this whole story develops and plays out. But I'm sure it'll be a reoccurring theme um, on the Brit Pack cast in the many, many weeks to come.
0: It will. And we will have the next chapter of that said story will take place pretty much this time tomorrow night because I've, as you were talking to me then Sandu an email has dropped into my uh, inbox uh, the conference call Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis are doing a media conference call tomorrow and you yes no prizes for guessing what most of the questions are going to be about so uh, no. that that's going to be that's going to make for fascinating listening to see uh, just what they make of the whole situation and uh, whether they have any empathy for Conor McGregor in this position Um it's, uh, especially when you've got one guy, Max Holloway, who's been resident in that featherweight division for as long as he has, uh, without getting a sniff of any UFC gold, uh, compare that with someone like Anthony Pettis, a former world champion who is brand new to the featherweight division. You got Holloway, I think he's on like an eight or nine fight win streak at 145, uh, yeah. and Anthony Pettis, who has had one fight at 145, a very good performance, uh, submitting Charles Oliveira, but, um, they now have an equal shot of picking up interim championship gold um, which is one of the one of the sort of the vagaries of the sport you sometimes get things like this, but um they've both come from slightly different directions here, so it'd be interesting to hear what they've got to say we will we will have that uh, conference call tomorrow night, so I'm sure we will talk about that on next week's show now. We've almost done an hour already and we've just been talking about <laughs> Conor McGregor. No surprises. We knew it was going to be like this. We, no, we knew
1: heading into this episode, this is how it was going to be.
0: There you go. And uh, I know a lot of you will have tweeted us with Conor McGregor-related questions uh, and stuff about this general situation. Uh, hopefully, what we've gone over in the last hour will at least gone most of the way towards answering most of these questions. So uh, the questions we'll do at the end of the show, I think, Sandra are going to be... Other other topics is that right?
1: that is correct, absolutely, but before we get to the Q and a, um, there are some other things on the itinerary um, that we have uh, in regard to segments for this week's show, um, and the next one is reflecting back on UFC Fight Night Melbourne Simon, where Robert Whitaker um, got a really impressive victory over Derek Brunson. Um, first round TKO. Now I'm going to hold my hands up and be the first to admit um, that I actually skipped out on this on this UFC card. Uh, it I've been on the road for quite disgraceful. S- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've been on the road uh, for for quite some time, um, and actually prior to me going on the road, uh, my wife was uh, away. So this weekend it was uh, some quality time with the missus. I did catch up with the the key fight the main event uh, come sunday morning so i did see Whitaker do the business um on bronson now, apart from that i haven't seen any of the action uh for the rest of the card yet i know it was a record tying 10 decisions um over the course of the entire fight card uh, i'm not sure if i'm really going to have the impetus to try and get through that entire fight cut at some point this week probably not if i'm honest um but did you stay up for it Sai? how did you how did you digest the fight card, and what was your take on uh, on Whitaker getting a massive a massive win uh, in his very first main event slot? Yeah,
0: I had to deal with this a little bit different myself. Um, I I actually uh, I went to bed and woke up for the main card, um, and uh, I took the view that I need to get I need to watch the main card, and uh, if anything outstanding happens in the prelims, I will go back and watch. And uh, I checked the results of the prelims and I was like, okay, I don't need to check back. So uh, it was, where are we, seven decisions on the spin on a show that would have been aired on Fox. So you can imagine, congrats to anyone out there from the UK who sat through all, I think, 13 fights we had on that fight card in the end. Um, Then uh, you you really do deserve some sort of hardcore medal for, for doing that. That would have been a fair old slog. The main card wasn't too bad in fairness. Uh, the fight between Daniel Taylor and Sohi Ham was a little controversial. Uh, Taylor won on a split decision, but there were a couple of pretty obvious eye pokes in there that the referee missed. Um, that played a relatively significant uh, effect on, on on the fight. Uh, Tyson Pedro, brilliant name, good fighter. Uh Submitting Khalil Roundtree, uh, who looks the part, but it looks like he's going to struggle at UFC level. Big, strong guy, uh, but Tyson Pedro did a good job on him, finished him in the first round. Alex Volkanovski, uh, he's one to watch. Uh, I, li- I like I like, him, uh, Australian prospect. Uh, won by TKO at lightweight, although he, th- he thinks he can get down as low as... I think he said he can get down to bantamweight. So, uh, so that's an interesting one. I think he's going to drop to feather for his next one if the UFC lets him. So he's one to watch. It's good for the Aussies to have a, have someone coming up. He's no youngster though. I think he's probably in his early thirties, but um he he looks like he might he might hang around for a bit. Amari Medov versus Kyle Noak. Not the most exciting fight in the world, but the uh the main note on Kyle Noak is he retired after that fight. Um I saw that. And it was such a shame that he wasn't given the opportunity to actually retire in the octagon. Uh they'd done interviews for, you know, quite a few of the fights inside the cage, but that wasn't one of them. Uh, so presume, presumably because that, because Akmedov won and uh, I'm not sure how much English he has. So maybe that's why they did it. But uh, yeah, Kyle Noak um, famously, uh, he was a side of the legendary uh, Steve Irwin. Uh, and uh, he used to, he used to work alongside Steve Irwin uh, sort of, uh, lassoing crocodiles and all that sort of stuff in Australia and then he became a mixed martial arts star had a good career in the UFC he lost by decision Andrew Holbrook um, the most understated man in the UFC quite possibly Uh, beating Jake Matthews deservedly in my opinion but he did it by a split Uh, he's a big prospect Jake Matthews but he's struggling to find his feet at the moment so uh, whether he needs to drop down a few levels or maybe even get some fights outside the UFC I don't know main event though Rob Whittaker Derek Brunson predictably I, I i predicted that uh, Brunson would win this so therefore he lost um, and th- i mean you you saw the fight sandu he he just his tactics seemed to be hit him with everything i've got and don't worry about getting hit myself so he just went flying in wading in with punches absolutely wide open for counter shots and i tweeted just as i tweeted he's wide open for a counter i hit enter the tweet appeared on the screen and about 3 seconds later uh, Whittaker cracked him with a counter and wobbled him and then the fight turned in Whittaker's favour I thought Whittaker looked very composed very calm uh, given that Brunson was just charging at him like a mad person uh, throwing big heavy shots uh, that were landing I thought Whittaker did really well to sort of cover up he had to take a few on the chin and took them well um, and it was a big head kick big right high kick to the uh, to the dome that, that, that really spelt the end and then he finished in with strikes. So, great performance from Whitaker. Again, he's very understated as well. He doesn't get out there and stake his case too loudly. But what he did say in his post-fight interview, I thought was 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 pretty good. It's just it isn't delivered with the, with as much gusto as his punches. You know, um, he's uh, he's a very understated, calm, cool guy. Um, but he's definitely, definitely a contender at one eight five now. Um, I don't know who they're going to give him next. And I guess that's the big question. Who are they going to give him next? Um, he needs to. He needs one of the top four. One of the top four, top five. And I think it all stems on who Gay God Mousasi fights next. And I think because uh, Luke Rockhold was going to fight Jacare, then Luke Rockhold got injured. Then Mousasi beat Uriah Hall and called out Rockhold. That would be a great stylistic fight to make. So if they do Musasi versus... Um, Rockhold, then you could potentially put Whittaker in there with Jackaray, which would be a, a huge test for the Aussie. Um, or do you keep the Rockhold Jacare fight as originally scheduled and do Musasi versus Whittaker, which on paper looks a little more, a little more realistic. Um, but we've now got four guys there who are who are ready to go. Chris Weidman obviously isn't going to fight for a little while, uh, having got. Busted up by Uel uh, Ramirez, he's out of the picture probably for three months, I would imagine. Um, so it's really, it's really what the UFC want to do with Jack Array. Who, who are they going to give Jacare? Um, and uh, I think whoever's left, they should give to Whitaker. But he proved his worth. I thought, I thought he did very well. The fight from a technical perspective, all, all, all the technical breakdown people online: your Luke Thomas's Dan Tom, Robin Black, uh, Jack Slack. They would have been watching that through the gaps between their fingers because there was zero defense going on from Derek Brunson, and uh, he paid for it in the end. So, uh, but it, it, it was a good. It was it was, a, it was a very fun fight. One of the most exciting rounds we've had in 2016. Technically not fantastic, but it was good fun.
1: Absolutely, and at the end of the day, Whitaker's only 25 years old. That's nuts. Um, since moving to, it's crazy. Um, since moving uh, to middleweight, you know, he's won six on the spin. Um, he's got plenty of time um, to figure things out to improve. Um, even though he's he's a New Zealander, you know he obviously loves to fight uh, in Australia, which again is still a very important market um, for for the UFC. They do go back um, at least once a year uh, to, to Australia. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with pretty much uh, your assessment on on the fight. Uh, I agree with your assessment with regards to the potential matchmaking uh, forward to come moving forward. I believe it all rests on what they do um, with with Rockhold and Masasi. Uh, I personally think, and this is kind of my bold prediction, I've got a feeling um, Rockhold and Masasi is going to headline the London card uh, in March. Uh, That's what I think they're going to do. I know that the UFC's European PR team love working with Gegard. He seems to be a favorite of theirs. Rockhold has um, visited uh, Europe on quite a few occasions um, as a guest fighter. Um, I think the fact that the Jacare fight fell out um, or fell through, sorry. Um, that would have put him in uh, a really good spot had he won that fight. But he needs to get into a main event uh, you know, picture where it's a fight night card, it's a, it's a five-rounder, uh, all the focus in the spotlight is on him, um, and vice versa for, for Masasi. He's broken himself now into the top five um, with that uh, revenge-slash-rematch victory over Uriah Hall in Belfast. But he needs that one more to kind of solidify his position as a genuine number one contender. Jacare hasn't fought in a while, um, so I don't think just by um, waiting um, on on the sidelines, that's going to be enough um, for him to get himself into uh, a title shot scenario. Um, I also just, as a general point of view on Jacare, love what he does inside the octagon. He just needs to give us more he needs to do more promotionally he needs to do that for himself more than anybody else. You look at some of the other fighters who have you know uh, learned the English language um, who have been out there doing a lot of you know really unique promotional things to kind of you know boost their name and get their name out there a little bit more get fan interest you know get fans interested and in, in wanting to see them fight outside of the obvious, which is of course you're a fantastic mixed martial artist. Um, I think by putting him into a situation where he's either fighting uh, in a a headline uh, fight night card or maybe a co-main event, you know, we'll take him in London too, Simon, you know, him versus Whittaker in a co-main event with Rockhold and Massassi in the the main event, we'll take that all day long. What we do know, Simon, is that without, um, sorry, with this fight night card in London in March, we're not getting Bisping which is going to be the very first time in quite some time uh, in the UK um, that, you know, or or should I say specifically uh, in England that we're going to have a fight card um, without Michael Bisping involved. Um, So they're going to need to do something special because so far when they do come to a market like England, specifically a city like London, they seem to break records every time they come back to London. Um, the gates higher, the uh, the uh, the numbers, the attendance is higher. Uh, and you know, you know, you're only really as good as your last card. And last time we were, they were in London. We got that fantastic Anson Silva Michael Bisping main event, uh, which up until this, up until now, is still the most amount of media I've seen gather for a UFC event in London, and it was that Anson Silva factor at the time. So, so yeah, so without kind of drifting onto too many different um, areas, trying to bring it back all the way to Robert Whittaker, great performance, great win. He seems to have come come away with that pretty unscathed. Um, we're now uh, at the end of November, uh, creeping into December. I think if you gave Robert Whitaker a call and say, hey, do you want to fight a gay God Masasi or a Shaq in London in March, I think he'll take that all day long.
0: Yeah. I completely agree with you, and I think uh, I like your idea for having both those fights at UFC London. Rockhold, of course, was the guest fighter at UFC London, Bisbing versus Silva. So, he knows his way. He he knows how to find the O2 Arena. He's been there. So, uh, who knows? Who knows? And, you know, you're dead right with the Musashi ties to the European PR team. He's uh, he's, he's entering media darling territory in this part of the world. Uh, It's... uh, (laughs) It's uh it's an interesting one. They've, they've got options. They can, they can shake it out however they want. They've got four legit contenders there. You could almost pluck them out of a hat, match them up, stick them on a fight card, and let them go, uh, and then it all works out nicely. And of course, we've got Yoel Romero versus Michael Bisbing. and that is going to be, that's going to be full of heat. Fight week for that fight is going to be nuts, because uh, Romero is just going to be sitting there in shades. Uh, talking gibberish for most of the time, probably, which is what he likes to do in press conferences and stuff. But,
1: I love you, mate. There you go. <laughs> See you soon, boy. And then
0: I love you. <laughs> and Bisbing will just be in full full on wind up mode for the whole fight week. So, so, uh, so that'll be good. The middleweight division is looking like a lot of fun right now. You think it wasn't that long ago people were saying it got a bit stale? Not anymore. We've got we've got great fights everywhere we turn at 185, which is great. Uh, somewhere where they have struggled to find great fights is 125. Um, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, I can't describe it other than he's too good. He's legitimately too good um, because he's got a problem because A, he's better than everybody else and B, the nature of the flyweight division is such that you don't really see fighters ripping through the division uh, racking up a string of big, spectacular knockouts like you might get at middleweight or at light heavyweight, and you know, because you just tend not to see those as much at flyweight. So it's very hard to build a contender. Also, there's the fact that he's been through every major contender at 125 at least once, uh, and in some cases twice. So what do you do? Well, the UFC got a little bit original. They 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 shopped around. They found as many. 125 pound champions that they could contractually get their hands on threw them into an ultimate fighter tournament and uh we're on the cusp of the finale at this point now i'm, I'm not gonna lie i've not been watching this season sandu so i'm kind of hedging my bets over what to say um, i'm shocked i'm I, I I absolutely
1: shocked
0: this is the first season actually since i've been covering the sport that i haven't followed i've got to be honest um really yeah it's the first one um now, have have has the the actual finalist been officially announced yet?
1: You know what, Simon, I'm hesitant to say this, but I'm looking I've on not, the Wikipedia. I've not, I've not seen it. Well, I haven't seen it either, and I know I'm, that aware, there of, was... I'm aware
0: of who it is,
1: but I am I I am too. Yeah. Um, but look, I'm just going on by what Wikipedia is telling me right now, uh, and it's telling me that the main event uh, for the Saturday night's fight card is. Demetrius Johnson versus Tim Elliott. Right. That's what it's telling me, right? Now, I haven't seen the show. I actually haven't seen The Ultimate Fighter for, for quite some time. But if we're going on the basis that at uh, some point this week, um, I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know where where we are currently with the show. I don't know if the season finale was last week. I don't know if it's going to be this Wednesday. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but let's just go on the basis right now, Simon, uh, what Wikipedia is telling us, and, and it's Tim Elliott. What we what we do know about Tim Elliott is that he had a run in the UFC. Um, it didn't go uh, ac- you know according to plan. Um, he, he won a couple, he lost three the, on the trot, and then he was he was let go. Um, but he kind of you know fought his way back and kind of had a good run in, in Titan FC. And and actually, he seems to be the fighter that everyone seems to be talking about a lot um, on the show. I have seen a few snippets, Simon, when we were in Belfast and we were waiting for um the ceremony, ceremonial wanes to begin the ufc ran i think the most recent episode as, as a kind of like a warm-up yeah. uh, video package for everyone um in the arena and i saw a few you know bits and pieces and, and so forth but to be honest with you um the whole focus here is definitely on Demetrius Johnson. Uh, he's arguably the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world right now. You can definitely make a case for him to uh, to be the number one pound-for-pound pound, uh, fighter. He's been a defending champion. You can only beat uh, you know, what's put in front of you uh, in that particular weight class. Um, like you said, Simon, um, he's getting into George St. Pierre territory now, where he's wiped out the division um, a few times over. How, how how close is he, Simon, to beating Anderson Silva's record? Do you know what that, where where he is with that?
0: I think he's two or three fights away. Okay,
1: I think he's
0: two or three fights away. Because the natural thing to to think would be, if and when he wins his next one, the obvious thing would be for him to then go for the super fight with Dominic Cruz, right uh, at one thirty five, because he really has cleaned everything out. He's looking at rematches uh, at this point, so he has said he wants to break Anderson Silva's record. So in order to do that, he's going to have to sort of retrace his steps and maybe fight Henry Cejudo again or fight Joe Benavidez again. Um, so I don't know quite what they're going to do. Um, I think in an ideal world for Demetrius, he'll at least equal Anderson Silva's record and then maybe go for that super fight with, Demi- with, uh, with, with Dominic Cruz. But it is getting increasingly difficult because all the while this is happening, of course, because the... You know, the amount of uh, credible challenges is just going. You know, every time he beats somebody decisively, it just reduces the interest of a rematch as well. If you beat Henry Cejudo as decisively as he did, then how much interest is there really going to be in a rematch? He knocked out Joe Benavidez. How much interest is there going to be in a rematch? He's beaten Joe Benavidez twice. So, yeah, you know, it, and Joe Benavidez is probably the next best guy in the division if we're honest. So that's the problem he's got. So the level of interest in his fights, he's actually dropping um, the better he gets. You know, it's, it's an unfortunate position insofar as he's earning potential. He doesn't seem in the least bit concerned about it, and I've spoken to him about it in the past. He's not bothered. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a stuff who he fights. He's got a contract that tells him how much he gets paid to show and how much he gets paid to win. Um, he doesn't fight on pay-per-view that often, so, you know, maybe he isn't missing pay-per-view points, so, because he's fighting on, on free TV most of the time, but, it's, I, you know, for a guy of his ability, it just seems, a a, a, you know, sort of a, a, a real shame that he isn't, he isn't getting the same love, and the same amount of financial, recompense, that a guy of his undoubted skill level, should be getting, but, this is just the way of the world, so it's difficult, and I don't think that will change until he moves up to 135. And at that point, he's going to be ridiculously undersized for the division because uh, he's he's not a huge 125er. You know, yeah. there are a lot of bigger 125ers than him. Who stood him next to Damasio Page, for example, who competed in this season of Tough and was I I had him picked as someone to, who could who could have potentially won that uh that that competition and uh demasio page is probably a good three four inches taller than demetrius johnson so you know it's 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 interesting and when he goes in if he fights at 135 he's going to be the he's going to be the little underdog so uh i don't really know what's next for him uh are the ufc going to encourage him to sort of say look you don't need this record it's worth nothing to you here's a million dollar fight with dominic cruz why not take that um so i don't know i don't know it's a tough spot for him i he certainly when whenever he gets asked about it and i'm sure he's sick to the back teeth of being asked about it because it is the big story with him uh he doesn't seem overly concerned about it last time i asked him he was more concerned with with uh pressure washing his 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 fence uh, <laughs> that's actually what he said he said i am i've got i've got more concerns than this I've got a, after this fight, I've got a pre, I've got to pressure wash my fence because the uh, the housing association tell you off if you don't keep your property clean because it reduces house prices around and stuff. So this actually happened in a flipping scrum, and sure enough, he won his fight against Henry Cejudo, and then like two days later, he tweets a picture of him pressure washing his fence. Genius, but um, but that's it. You know, he's, he's I don't know I don't know what else you can do with him. I think you you somehow get him into that 135 division and getting some getting some fr- fresh matchups as much as anything because he's he's, he's just too good.
1: I think you're right, Simon. I think he's fine being uh, a co-main event um, on a pay-per-view or maybe a headline act on on a fight card. Um, I think he knows at this stage. You know, he's not going to be making uh, Conor McGregor money. You know, uh, to be fair, most other champions aren't making Conor McGregor money. Um, so I think. Demetrius Johnson, I'd personally like to see him continue this run at uh, Flyweight, beat Anderson Silva's record first and foremost, because nobody then can take that away from you. It's almost unheard of uh, to get 8, 9, 10 title defenses um, in a run like that. It's just. It's so hard to do in mixed martial arts. That's why it makes it so fascinating when you compare it to boxing. The sport is so unpredictable because there's so many ways you can win and lose. So personally... Just from uh, a, a legacy point of view, I'd like to see him continue to do that um, at the weight class, regardless of who his opponents are. Just get the, the next best guy you can, even if it's someone he's fought before, like a Joey B or a Henry Sahudo or whoever the whoever the, the next fighter may be, um, just to kind of keep him active and keep him going towards that record. Once he hits that record, absolutely, let's get him up to uh, 135 or maybe even do a catch catchweight fight. Um, with Dominic Cruz at 130 uh, something tells me with McGregor and what he did at UFC 205 you're going to see a lot of fighters try and emulate that whether it be DJ going up to 135 as a champion and having a champion versus champion fight with Dominic Cruz whether it's Dominic Cruz you know going up from 135 to 145 and fighting a Jose Aldo or you know whoever you know you know the the next legitimate <laughs> featherweight champion uh, will be. And, and hey, look, you know let's see what happens with Daniel Cormier. You know he could very well come back. Uh, you know beat Anthony Rumble Johnson when they you know eventually fight. Uh, and depending on what happens with Kane Velasquez and Fabrizio doom you know if if Cain loses that fight, hey, listen, Daniel, you know you, you you're a, you're a heavyweight, Really, you know you cut a hell of a lot of weight to get to two hundred five. You know why not? You know, before he calls it a day, um, you know, jump back up to heavyweight and fight Stipe Miocic, for example, and, and, and carry two belts around. What we've seen now with McGregor is he's he's dreamt beyond what other fighters have dreamt of doing before. And I think he's opened up everyone's imagination in terms of what is possible, what you can potentially do if you really want to do it and, and how, what that can mean for your legacy, but also your earning potential. So, um, but yeah, to tie it back to Demetrius Johnson, um, I see him just wiping the floor with, with Tim Elliott. Um, I think he'll be a one-sided fight. I see Demetrius Johnson uh, most likely getting a, a decision victory, although he has proven time and time again that, Although he's fighting in a, in a much lower weight class, he does tend to finish quite a large portion of his opponents. But um, but yeah, looking forward to it. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this weekend's fight card way more than I was uh, the, the Melbourne card. I think I'll definitely be staying up for this one. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Shall we um, head off into our much admired, much appreciated um Q&A segment segment of the show Simon.
0: Let's do it. But before we do that, let I have got a question for you. I've got a question for you, yeah, go for it. Question for you and if it, it follows on from what we've just discussed. We're talking about this this whole show has been about two weight world champions, isn't it? It's been obviously mostly Connor. Yeah. but we've touched on a couple of other possibilities. If we were sitting here right now, which we are, yeah. And you had to put uh, 10 pounds of your hard-earned English money uh on the next fighter to become a two weight world champion not necessarily concurrently uh someone who can win a second world or become a world champion in two weight classes who would you put your money on because there's a few out there who could potentially do it who would you if you could pick one say that person has got the best chance to become the next two weight
1: world champion in the UFC? simultaneous or are we talking about former champions it could
0: be former champions it could be whoever you like so you so you could go with an Anthony Pettis
1: as an example well that's the logic that's the logical one because he seems to be the one that is the closest to doing it Mm -hmm. I mean he could literally win his fight in two weeks time uh, against um, Max Holloway and then have that Jose Aldo unification bout booked in for Q1 of next year. We've got some big pay-per-view cards coming up, UFC 208, UFC 209, um, which are going to need some big title fights anyway. Um, so he seems to be the most, I suppose, logical person for me to put something on. Um, he's, best, other, he's best placed, isn't he? He is best placed. I mean, the only other person I could potentially think of is George St-Pierre. If he comes back... And he fights Michael Bisping for that middleweight championship. I mean, it's a fight that's been talked about already. They should have booked that for Toronto, but, and and like, you know, even though technically, Yo Romero is the number one contender, who's to say, I mean, if we're just playing fancy matchmaker right now uh, and we were able, you know, Hey, Romero could get injured. They may want to just, you know, give GSP a call, say, Hey, we've got a big, you know, fight card coming up and we couldn't get it done for Toronto, but can we, can we sort it out for the next one? Um, you know he's a former champion at welterweight um you know he'd be quite comfortable uh, at the middleweight uh, weight class uh, and i think a lot and many would favor him to beat michael bisbing so so for me it's pettis um and perhaps george st pierre i would what about you
0: i i without with, yeah I, the gsp thing came out of left field i didn't see that one coming but yeah that's 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 a good shot although well, I, I would actually if i was betting on that fight i would i would be betting on bisbing to win it for two reasons. One, I think he'd be the underdog. And B, I think most of the intangibles are in his favour for that fight. But it's winnable for GSP though, he could win that fight. But I think Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson could beat Dominic Cruz. I think that's a coin flip fight. I think and from if you're looking at like like super high level guys, like from a technical perspective, going for a world championship, two world championship level guys going for a title you'd do well to find a better technical matchup anywhere in any weight class than Demetrius Johnson moving up to Bantamweight to fight Dominic Cruz. I'd love to see that. Um, I think that's a good shout. And I think DC could DC for me is probably, I I think DC is a better heavyweight than Cain Velasquez. I think it's close, but I think DC might be a better heavyweight than Cain Velasquez. Um, And I think in the heavyweight division right now, Cain is the best the best best bet to beat Stipe. I, I'd pick Stipe to beat Kane right now, I think. But I think DC versus Stipe would be an awesome fight. And again, I think that's a coin flip fight. So DC, I think, is the other guy. Um, and there's a certain Mr. J. Jones, Esquire, who, if he ever gets his act together and gets back into the UFC, uh, you never know, he might even return at heavyweight. Uh, and Mr. John, you can't imagine it'll take him long to get a title shot. If he, if he comes back and decides he wants to fight a heavyweight. So he could do it as well. But if I was putting my money down right now, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, he'd be, he'd be my guy.
1: Well, I guess uh, we're going to find out over the course of the next year because guys like DJ, guys like Dominic Cruz, guys like Anthony Pettis, uh, and I'm sure at some point we're going to see the return of George St. Pierre. These are all guys that have the ability um, to do it. And are in a position to potentially become uh, two weight champions, Ooh. Uh, and it's only a good. Go I got on. one more.
0: Joani and Jacek. If they make, yeah. if they make that UFC one twenty five pound division, you can bet every every uh, pound in the bank that she's going to go for that world title, uh, yeah. and uh, that's a possibility as well. I just wanted to mention that. Go on, off you go. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no no I mean that's a good shout I, I was thinking of that but I was thinking of divisions that we actually have yeah um, there's me doing um, my pie in the sky play. predictions again <laughs> <laughs> no no it's, it's it's a good shout though and she's been quite vocal about that herself she wants to uh or she wants the UFC to create a 125 pound division so she can go up and weight class um I think eventually she's she's going to have to I, I don't think she really enjoys cutting down uh to straw weight too much uh, and I think if the UFC were able to create a 125 pound division you know she, she, wa- she wants to do what Conor McGregor's done. And unfortunately for her, at the moment, she's unable to do that because uh, the disparity in, in weight divisions from straw weight to bantam weight is just too much. She, she'll be undersized at bantam weight. 125, um, you know, we may we may even see a better version of Zhang Jacek where she doesn't have to cut as much weight and she's a little bit healthier. Um, she's able to carry a little bit more muscle uh, on her frame. Um, so, I mean, just, can you just think about the possibilities when you can have a few of the weights drop down to 125, and you can have Jan Jacek uh, with some fresh matchups. But, but I think it's time, Simon. We uh, we crack on because I appreciate everyone tweeting us, and you, everyone's finally getting it right. You don't want to hit up Simon, and you don't want to hit up me. But please follow appreciate me, though. That you, yeah, appreciate that you do hit us up on Twitter. Uh, but the main handle you guys want to include when you're asking your questions is the Britpack Pack MMA. That's the feed that I'm looking at. Um, I'll give your question a like to indicate um, that we're going to be asking it on, on, on the next up-and-coming show. Um, I know that whilst me and Simon are on the road, Last couple of weeks, a lot of you uh, threw in some questions. A lot of them became redundant uh, because, obviously, we live in a fast-paced world here, and MMA, and the news cycle uh, moves very, very quickly. Um, So I thought it would be best to just focus on the questions that were asked uh, over the course of the last 24 hours. So with that being said, Simon, um, I think we've pretty much been over this already, but I I wanted to ask, apart from the main event, RG asks uh it's been a a quiet mma news week well i think he's probably asked this before um uh the mcgregor news dropped um but are you looking forward to next week's tournament of champions finale we've we've talked about the main event simon we're obviously uh you know interested in that but if you look at the actual fight card is that appetizing enough for you to stay up for the entire night it is
0: i've got to be honest there's some good there's some what you would call some sneaky good fights on that card. You know, it's not stacked with A listers, but there's some good matchups on there. Ellen Berger, Masvidal looks like a cracking matchup mm. to me. Benavidez, Cejudo, obviously, for those who have been following the show um, uh, much more religiously than I have, uh, will be all too well aware of the uh, the bickering rivalry that has been going on between the pair of them. I've seen bits and pieces of it, and it looks like proper schoolboy stuff. Um, so, so those two. As what was it, Muhammad Ali said? They're gonna get it on because they don't get along. So that's gonna happen. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Sarah McMahon versus Alexis Davis. I think is a solid matchup at 135. Gray Maynard is still going in the UFC, and he looked good in his last outing. Actually, I think he looked pretty good last time he fought. Can't remember who he fought. I'm gonna jump on and find out. But he's taking on Ryan Hall, who a former tough graduate himself uh, got to the uh, got to the finale. And uh, did the business, and uh, he's he's an excellent, excellent grappler, really good grappler, and uh, that's going to be a real clash of styles: wrestler versus wrestle, uh, wrestling versus jiu jitsu. Uh, yeah, Gray Maynard snapped a four fight losing streak in his last fight he beat a guy called Fernando Bruno um, in uh, in Vegas by by decision, but um, he fought through some adversity in that fight and came out the other end. So all credit to him. So um, it's not it's not the same. Same guy that uh, battered Frankie Edgar from pillar to post and nearly, nearly beat him. Uh, he's sort of gone down a few levels since then, but he's still got plenty to give. Um, so that was an interesting one. Uh, Rob Font was due to fight in Manchester. Uh, he was going to fight uh, Ian Entwistle. Uh, and we missed out on that fight because uh, NT got ill uh, on Wayne Day. So he's been rescheduled. He's fighting. Uh, Carlin Curran versus Jamie Moyle Jamie Moyle came through tough as well uh, and Carlin Curran is a good exciting but still quite raw strawweight so I think I think that'll be an exciting fight there's a few good fights in there um, and uh, one of the one of the Dong Hyun Kims is in action as well so tune in to find out which one is going to turn up <laughs> it's going to be the little one uh, the lightweight Dong Hyun Kim so uh, yeah now we've got some good stuff there we've got some good stuff I think if I was picking one fight out though Ellen Berger Masvidal would be the one I'm really looking forward to
1: I like it, um, cage or cage side. Now I love some of these Twitter handles. I mean, I wish I could just like read out the person's name. Maybe I'm a little bit old school for that, but some of these uh, Twitter handle names. I mean, you know, I appreciate you guys tweeting in. Anyway, cage side now tweets in. Who do you guys expect the UFC to sign next from the UK? Uh, for me, it's a simple one. It's Paddy the Baddy Pimblet. I think he's on he's on he's on a good run uh, with Cage Warriors. He's their featherweight champion. Um, he's the right personality. He's got the charisma. I think he still needs to improve on his uh, on his in cage ability, which I'm sure will come in time. Um, you know, fighting out of that next gen gym in in, in Liverpool. Uh, but I think he's he's fighting for Cage Warriors. They've got that deal with UFC Fight Pass. He's getting that prime time slot now uh, with BT Sport, which is fantastic to really kind of. Um, showcase some of the UK's and Europe's best talent to a prime time MMA audience uh, in the UK Um, so yeah uh, for me that would be uh, my bet on the next guy or gal uh, that gets signed by the UFC from the UK who knows it might even happen uh in preparation for the London card given the fact that the likelihood is we won't have Michael Bisbee fighting on that card
0: yeah uh I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if some sort of pre-contract was already in place. To be honest, I think, uh, or certainly an unspoken, sort of unwritten, unwritten agreement, maybe. But it's 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 good. It's going to be a matter of time. I mean, time's on his side. He's only young still, so I think what they've done, keeping him in Cage Warriors, is probably the right thing for right now. But I think it's just a matter of time before he gets his shot. I'll chuck in a different name and a guy who should already be in the UFC, uh, Saul Rogers. They've got to sign the man up. They've they've got to sign Saul Rogers, um, and uh, he for me is the best lightweight outside of the UFC that I've seen uh, on this on this side of the world for, cer- uh, 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 for certain. He's too good to not be in the UFC. He smoked everybody in tough, uh, and because they made a mess of his visa form, he, he didn't get his chance. So that needs to be dealt with now. That that you know, bygones are bygones. It's not like he. He didn't hit a ref. He didn't take any banned substances. He's not he's not done anything outlandishly out of order or anything like that. Give the man his chance. Uh he's got the he's got a fantastic attitude and he's he's dealt with the whole thing incredibly maturely and I've got a lot of respect for the guy both as a fighter and as a, and, and and as a bloke as well and I think he deserves his shot. One other person I need to mention because I've been uh, I'll put out a piece of content about him this week. John Phillips, the white Mike Tyson from, from Wales, former Commonwealth Games boxer, I believe. Um, he is a, he's a knockout artist, fights at middleweight, occasionally has trouble hitting middleweight, but he fights at middleweight. Former Bama middleweight champion. Uh, and he's contracted to Bama right now. Um, he's desperate to get signed by the UFC, and he put out a load of pictures. In fact, he put out a, a selfie video message Saying the two Welsh lads have signed for the UFC, they're both won, well done, blah 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 blah. Jack Marshman's a middleweight, but I'm the best middleweight in Wales. I want to fight Jack Marshman and I want to fight him in London in March. Let's make this fight happen. So he put that out, all's well. I did a story on it, did quite well. Um then a couple of days later, I just I'm just on Twitter, sort of scouring Twitter like a dude, checking for stuff. And I start seeing these pictures appearing. John Phillips has ta- has gone out for the day and has taken one of these old school, sort of, you know with the old finger dial uh, on the front telephones from like the 1970s and the 1980s. And he took one on a day out. So he had, he had one on his pillow, on his bed when he woke up in the morning. He took it into the shower with him washing his hair, went and got a haircut, Went to the uh, went to the beach, had an ice cream with it, went to the amusement arcade with it and took pictures all along the way with so I just I put all those together to a blondie track hanging on the telephone and that did quite well on Twitter he's desperate to get signed by the UFC whether Bama will let him go that easily I don't really know but um he's desperate to get into the UFC he wants to fight uh, Jack Marshman so whether he's the next Brit to get signed I don't know but um if you're if you're if you're giving points for effort then John Phillips deserves a go He's been hilarious this week. So I I wanted to mention him.
1: Yeah, good shout. All right. So uh, Cage Side Now did ask a second question, which I actually want to get to. And it's, what other UK media people do you read or listen to? I'm happy to give a shout-out, and I'm I'm sure, Simon, you can give a shout-out as well. Uh, Jonathan Schrager of MixedMartialArts.com, i.e. The Underground, does some great stuff. He's almost... um, Doing some stuff that me and Abby used to do back in the day when we had uh, just a YouTube channel and we were covering the sport, um, thinking of some unique video concepts using what we had. Um, and At the time, I remember one of the, one of the things I've seen Jonathan do um, on the UG, on their YouTube channel, is get a lot of media reaction content which is great because when you're at when you're on a fight week sometimes access to fighters is limited Uh, you may try and grab them in the in the hotel lobby uh, at the risk of getting a slap on the wrist by the UFC uh, PR machine but what you've got there during a fight week are journalists journalists that can speak eloquently and you know and intelligently about the sport and there's so many hot topics out there and I think there's enough journalists out there that are are, are followed passionately by members of the MMA community that what they say has credence and to be able to get a a mashup of say five or six guys together uh, and gals um, on a topic or or two um, I think that's good video content Um, so yeah if I'm going to give anybody a shout from the top of my head right now uh, check him out Jonathan Schrager he's a fellow Brit he's from Manchester does some great work for the UG on mixedmartialarts.com and their YouTube channel. Um, some of his interviews are a little bit lengthy, but Hey, that's okay. You know, because I think some people want short and snappy, uh, you know, you know, uh, interviews with maybe four or five minutes with some production value. Some would prefer just to sit back and relax and watch a half an hour, 45 minute, 60 minute sit down interview. And, and what Jonathan does really, really well is conduct those lengthier uh, long form interview so so shout out to jonathan shrub from my part
0: yeah I, I call him the king of the fireside chat
1: because
0: that's that's kind of the format that he does and uh yeah he's 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 a, he's a top man and uh one of the most genuine guys you could ever meet as well a really lovely guy um andreas georgio is a guy i would mention he works really hard he, he covers a lot of kickboxing as well if you're into kickboxing he's worth a follow uh does a lot of good stuff um young lad he's just i think he's just graduated actually so uh he's certainly one to look out for and if i can just bend that question just a tad to cover ireland uh i w- i need to shout out um someone who's a relatively good buddy of mine i see him quite a lot on the road and he's he's one of the best writers not just on in this part of the world but anyway uh pete c carroll uh, I'd, I'd definitely shout out pete c carroll if you're an mma fan from this part of the world and you're not following him I'll pro- to be honest I'd be quite surprised because he's, he's he's excellent um, so uh, it's always worth uh, giving him a shout because he's A he's a top lad and B he's an excellent excellent writer so uh, yeah I'd shout out him even if that does mean slightly tweaking the question but uh, yeah
1: P- PCK, hey, it's not the first time and it won't be the last time that you <laughs> tweak, tweak a question Simon um, moving forward then Gareth Moores uh, tweets in and says who would you like to see headline the London card and what other fights would you like to see so I guess we're both in agreement Simon that we think and believe and would I think hope that the UFC puts on Gegard Musashi versus Luke Rockhold I think that's a fight that makes a lot of sense for a, a number of different reasons uh, most notably that it's, it's a fight that means something in the 185 pound division it's two fighters that have Been uh, you know synonymously in and around European UFC fights, both as fighters on Vasasi's part and as guest fighters on Rockhold's Rockhold's part. But in regard to what other fights you'd like to see, I'm not sure about particular fights, but I'd like to see Jimmy Manua on the card. I'd like to see Alexander Gustafsson if if he can heal from his uh, back injury in time. I'd like to see him uh, be brought in uh, on the card. He's the biggest. Star in Sweden. He's one of the biggest stars uh, in Europe, and has a has a great, passionate following uh, of Swedish fans that are following him along, and to kind of get that Swedish atmosphere going in the in the O2 Arena um, would be pretty cool. I think, depending on what happens in Sacramento, uh, win or lose, uh, especially if he loses, I hope the UFC give Brad Pickett one more go. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I think he should have called it a day a while ago. I thought we had a great opportunity at the London car from this year he decided to you know again fighters when they get uh when they snap a a losing streak they get they get a win they they get that hunger for more um but I think heading into the London car for 2017 he's just not going to get another better opportunity if things go his way and he gets that fight to kind of go out on the big show on the big stage on top he's be fighting forever anyway. He's really getting up there in age, but uh, but yeah, win or lose against Uriah Faber, I'd like to see uh, the UFC stick Brad Pickett on that London card as well. Uh, any any fights or fighters come to mind for you, Simon?
0: I've got three fights, and they 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 actually reference people that you've mentioned. So I want to see Brad Pickett versus Neil Siri too, I'll, because Brad Pickett told me in Belfast that he wants to retire in London. He wants that to be his last fight. Neil Siri needs one more fight, so there would be it, there would be a nice sort of cyclical uh, justice to it because Neil Siri stepped in at short notice to fight Brad Pickett in his in Siri's first ever fight in the UFC in London, uh, and it was a barn burner of a fight. Pickett won it by decision. Uh, Brad offered to step in to fight Siri in Belfast and Sean Shelby sort of uh shut that one down obviously uh, brad has got bigger fish to fry in the former uri favor in sacramento uh next month brad pickett versus neil Siri, with both guys hanging them up inside the octagon two uh, true warriors of the sport uh huge fan favorites that would just be like the ultimate feel-good moment they would deliver an amazing fight they both have mad respect for each other they're two sort of working class guys who have you know they're they're hugely popular with the fans and they could both put their gloves down in the middle of the octagon. it would be it would be a real sort of goosebumps moment I think and it would be you know the perfect way for both guys to sort of round out their career um a couple of years after they first fought in the same building so that would be kind of amazing I'd love to see that Jimmy Manoa needs a big fight uh and uh, I would give him Glover to uh I would put Jimmy Manoa and Glover to uh in in the main card in London. That, that that could sit as a co-main or maybe third from top if you've got those two big middleweight fights we discussed. Maybe that will be the third from top. Um, that seems like a natural progression fight for me, for, for Jimmy Manoa. Glover's coming off a loss to Anthony Rumble Johnson. He doesn't want to fall too far down the ladder. Manoa sort of seems to fit the bill there. I think that fight makes sense. And uh, this one is a little out of left field. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, maybe they can get Paddy the baddie signed up. And if they did, why not stick him in there with Amir Amircani? What a fight that'd be. Paddy Pimblett, uh, at I think that would be. Amir Amircani, Paddy Pimblett at 145 pounds. I think that would be an awesome, awesome matchup at featherweight. So there you go. There's three fights for you. Paddy versus Makwan, Manoa versus Glover Teixeira. And uh, my favorite fight of the lot, Brad Pickett versus Neil Siri. I'd buy a ticket just to watch that.
1: A uh, good shout on One and I've spoken to him recently, and uh, he's also nursing uh, an injury. But it, I think it looks likely uh, that he's aiming to return in and around the time that the UFC returns to London, so that would make a lot of sense. right? I, I'm very aware that we're approaching almost a two-hour mark, which I think is um, some history here for the Britpack Pack. Um, so I'm going to try and squeeze in one more question, just due to... Uh, <laughs> the the timing of the, of the of how long this show has gone on for, um and and yeah please do let us know if we're rambling on a little bit too 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 long in these these episodes, uh because I'm sure we are and if you want us to cut it down and just get to the nitty gritty of some of these segments then please do let us know but one more question to wrap things up and it's um, UFC Kyle and he says if DC gets injured again should he be stripped I think if it's maybe any other weight class and you've got a champion who hasn't fought in a year or is consistently getting injured, then yeah, absolutely. You strip them so that the division can move forward. The thing with light heavyweight is you've already got what many consider to be the legitimate lineal UFC champion already on the sideline in John Jones. You've also got the next couple of guys in Anthony Rumble Johnson and Alexander Gustafsson who have been beat by both DC and well, maybe not Rumble Johnson, but DC for sure. Now, if you if DC is injured, I don't think it it hurts any any anyone in that light heavyweight division by just giving him the opportunity to rest, recover, and then come back for um, a, a title a defense fight. Because the light heavyweight division is very very shallow. It's pretty much been the same three or four guys for the last three or four years. And it's a division that needs a hell of a lot of work. Jimmy Manuel now got a signature victory in Manchester. Hopefully, he can get one more, and then he's right in there in title contention. Maybe it'll take some fighters dropping down from heavyweight who are maybe um, maybe things aren't working out there. Maybe it'll take guys like Chris Weidman from from middleweight division, um, who's on a two-fight um, skid in at 185, um, and he's very comfortable walking around at that 205-pound. Um, you know weight class so maybe it'll take him to kind of go into that division and freshen things up but until those things happen I think if DC gets injured again you just hold off um, let him rest and recover and recuperate um, get him into a title by Anthony Rumble Johnson uh, and then just wait and see how long it will be until John Jones comes back because that's going to be uh, the real Uh, big fight at 205 pounds so that's my take i mean i don't know what you think about that i mean i don't know if it's supposed to be or if you think it should be you know one specific rule for one particular weight class or one particular fighter and one for others uh, or it should be one rule that fits all i mean what's your take on that side
0: i think the ideal scenario is you have a, a rule of thumb where you say okay if the belt hasn't been defended within x amount of time we we uh you know, we we either strip you of the title or we then implement a uh, an interim belt. Um, it's a tricky one because the light heavyweight division is moving slower than my metabolism right now. So it's not exactly it's not exactly a particularly stacked division, uh, and the championship not getting defended. It doesn't have a major effect on the rest of the division because it isn't. It's not the featherweight division. It's not the lightweight division. So. I think, I think they can have a little bit more latitude with it and uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I'd, stripping someone of the belt should be the last resort in all cases. You should only ever strip someone of the title as an absolute last resort. If someone has been proved to be a, a, a cheat, whether it be anti-doping offences or you know anything like that, then fine, strip them. But aside from that, stripping people of the belt should be the last like the absolute last case scenario, so uh, the uh, my answer would probably be no. Let him keep hold of the belt. If he's if he's getting into Dominic Cruz territory in terms of his injuries, then yeah, there needs to be a chat with him, uh, and you come up with a with a you know with a solution whereby maybe maybe you do strip him of the belt or you implement an interim title. So the thing with stripping someone of the belt, and this I, I don't I don't want to labour this, but if you strip someone of the belt, especially someone who has gone on a run and you've got consecutive title defences is is, is a thing. It's a stat that champions like to build up. And we've talked about it with Demetrius Johnson. Now, just because you get injured, that shouldn't really impact on your... Like if GSP comes back and he's come straight back into a title fight and wins, that's effectively as if he's never lost the belt. But for the record, he did lose the belt because it was taken off him. So, it's but with something like an injury where it's only a short period, of, relatively short period of time, or you know a year at most maybe, then you shouldn't really be taking a belt off someone in that sort of period of time just because of injury. So, I think you let him keep the belt. I think if he if he if it looks like he's going to be out of action for like eighteen months or so, then maybe that's the sort of area where you start to think about it. But anything less than that, I think it's 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 a bit harsh. So I would say no, let him keep it
1: fair player and yeah again like i said just due to the fact that we're creeping up to two hours uh, that's where i'm going to cut our q a segment uh for this week but we do appreciate you guys hitting us up you know do tweet us throughout the week hit us up at the brit pack mma um with any of your questions and we'll make sure uh, to include it on the show and this will be the format moving forward like like i said at the top of the uh, top of the show today me and simon are off the road now for quite some time which means we'll be doing the show in our usual format uh, for the foreseeable future. Although we may have something special planned for UFC 206. Um, So I guess we'll just leave it at that for the time being, and perhaps announce something a little bit more official on next week's show. Yeah.
0: Good, good plan. Good plan. It's going to be, if that works out, it'll be good fun. Uh, So please do stay tuned for that. Um, a bit of a bumper edition this week, Sandy. We had a lot to talk about, though, to be fair. It was one of the, one of the, one of the bigger talking points in MMA this year. And we've had a few. Uh, but as stories go, they don't get much bigger than this, I don't think. I think this is right no. up there with the big ones. So, and when you think yep. we had all of the furore around UFC 200, John Jones' failed drug test, Brock Lesnar's failed drug test, I think this might be bigger than both of those. So, you know, it's it's... It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So uh, I apologise, but I don't apologise. We had a a lot to discuss on the Brit Pack. This was episode number 18. If you're still listening to this and you didn't cheat and hit fast forward, thank you uh, for making it all the way through to the end of this week's show. We really do appreciate everyone who listens. Um, And uh, that number is steadily growing, which is really encouraging to hear. Uh, You can help us with that as well. Please do um spread the word let people know that you you know you're listening to the show and uh chime in with your thoughts and views on some of the topics you know say you know simon was talking out of his ass when he said this or i completely agree with sandu when he's talking about this we love all of that stuff so you know please do please do get involved we'll always try and reply whenever we can Um, you can tweet sandu at sandu mma you can tweet me at simon head and sandu's already mentioned uh, the uh, the main hub of the show on Twitter is the show's own account, which is at the Britpack MMA. The main place to go for all things related to the show is our new website, uh, the BritpackMMA.com. is the place to go. You will find uh, blogs. You'll find every show that we've ever published is on there, uh, and uh, a few other bits and pieces on there as well. Um, and uh, when we do get little bits and pieces to announce or little additional bits of bonus content, you can be sure that they'll live on there as well. You can subscribe through a whole number of ways. The main one, of course, is iTunes. Um, If you're an Apple user or an iTunes user, uh, please do jump on there, hit that subscribe button. It really does help us to do, um, if you do that. It also helps us loads if you rate us and review us, Uh, and if you rate us and review us positively, it helps us even better, so feel free to do that if you get the uh, if you get the opportunity. We're also on Stitcher, uh, and we are on Acast as well as SoundCloud. So lots of ways to uh, to get the show, and um, hopefully in a not too distant future, we may be bringing the Brit Pack to YouTube in one form or another. We're looking into a few different bits and pieces with that, um, so watch this space. We may well start to put some Brit Pack content, whether it's full shows or show segments or bonus additional content. Uh, we're looking into a few options and the, and uh, maybe for 2017, you might start to see the Brit Pack content appearing on YouTube as well. I know some of you have, uh, have contacted me directly to ask about that. So uh, the plans are afoot and it is coming. So uh, yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, really do appreciate all your support. And uh, we will speak to you in a week's time. Enjoy the fights this weekend. And uh, we'll be back next week with episode number 19. Speak to you soon.